I am Amy Messersmith, and I am the Associate Director for Student Support Services. And one of the things I did this past fall was uh, teach FYS 101 as a lead instructor um, because I recognize that the university is making an effort to have these harder, more difficult conversations around difference. And I wanted to be a part of that effort and contribute to the momentum. Um, how students experience that course varies student to student. But one of the benefits that came out of the course was getting to meet other students and um, learn about other students' um, different perspectives and backgrounds and how they got to, um, you know, how they got to SU. And one of the students in my section is sitting with me today, Raul Rosique Jr. And um, he was very open about his identity and he is an undergraduate student and he is also a veteran. And so I know that we have a lot of, um, we do a lot of work at SU related to student veterans and um, veteran education. And I think it's, we hear about it, but I don't, where I am in um, the work that we do in HOP and SSS, we don't um, necessarily cross paths with a lot of veterans. And so being a part of FIS 101 and having Raul in um, the classroom was a great opportunity to get to know a student veteran. And as we started this project with the Census Project and the goal being to connect across differences, I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be great to um, invite Raul down after the class was completed um, to sit down and see if he'd be willing to share his perspective of being a student veteran at SU. And so I'm really excited that he was willing to do that. And so, Raul, um, how you doing? Hi, uh, I'm doing pretty good today. Um, uh, so like Amy said, like I'm a student veteran here at Syracuse University. And this is, I just entered my junior year. I transferred from a community college in California. And uh, prior to my education, I started uh, while I was in the Navy. I was enlisted for five years on a nuclear submarine out of Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. And uh, that had ups and downs for sure, but I learned a lot. And I definitely wouldn't be here today without that. So what we're going to do today is just hear Raul's story. And so as a starting point, I was um, thinking that we could start just with sharing a little bit about your background because... Um, we're in Syracuse, New York, but you are not from Syracuse, New York. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'm from uh, a small town called Rich Grove. It's in central California, like right in the middle of California. Uh, it's not very big at all. Um, the education rate is very tiny. I was, so the country just put out the least educated uh, cities in the country, and the surrounding areas to my town were all there. And unfortunately, my town wasn't there because... I think just people, a lot of people come from Mexico, so they don't have a real senses of who lives there. But uh, so you can tell, like, a lot of people there don't put an emphasis on education. They put an emphasis on hard work and being tough and being just a strong-minded person. And that definitely has advantages. I learned a lot growing up there. I'm really happy I grew up there. I think it will help me in the future, as it is right now. But it definitely comes with the downfalls. I was re <laughs> It's funny. I was, I was recently listening to a song by Ice Cube, and it's... I believe the song is called Hood Mentality. And in the song, there's a line that says, Every, everybody claims to be the hardest, no one claims to be the smartest. And I think that line definitely represents a lot of 
communities of like the ones similar I grew up to. Everybody in there was almost everybody in there would be like, oh, I'm the I'm the strongest guy, I'm the toughest guy or girl. But like, okay, that's cool, but it's not even get you be a successful person in life. It was great to be beneficial like, and combined with like some sort of intelligence. I'm not saying you go to traditional four year school like we're all doing here, but some sort of training will get you somewhere. But I do think just the whole combination of growing up and where I'm at now will, will definitely coincide and be beneficial to my overall success. Do you, um, could you talk a little bit about how, you know, and share whatever you're comfortable sharing um, just about your identity? Uh, yeah, like I'm a six foot Hispanic. Uh, I'm, uh, I was always athletic in school. I tried to do all the sports possible. My, my parents... Uh, Ray tried me, gave me a sports and just doing everything possible to stay off the streets and stuff. And uh, me saying that, I didn't, I was really privileged in my area because I came from a really stable household. A lot of my peers couldn't say that. And so growing up, me, or, me and my siblings noticed right away just the way we spoke, the way we dressed. Our family vacations uh, was a lot different to a lot of people, our, a lot of our peers. And it was, it was pretty sad growing up when you're like, oh, where'd you go for the summer break? And then they didn't go anywhere really. And so we learned early on, like, wow, we we're really fortunate. And a large portion of my family is actually affiliated with the school in our town. So our school, my school is K through eighth grade. And then for high school, I went to town over. And like my grandma was my seventh grade English teacher. So anytime I spoke, literally, or any sort of that aspect of like ghetto slang or something, she would correct me really fast. And along the lines, I kind of lost some of it, but early on, she put a huge emphasis, like, no, don't, do not speak like that, speak proper. So I think they really stepped forward in my, like, goals for education in life. Did you, um, could you talk a little bit about, um, can you tell me a little bit about, like, the composition of your high school? Like, was it pretty diverse? Was it not so diverse? Uh, so this sounds funny. The high school was, like, eight minutes over from where I grew up, so the next town. And uh, it was uh, almost all Hispanic, but it was just a little different. The town over had a little more money, not not sending more money, just a little bit. And they spoke a little different than us. Like their their teachers pushed them a little harder in grade school than they pushed us. Uh, but almost everybody was Hispanic. I think my graduating class had one Caucasian male, one Caucasian female, and one black female. Wow. Everybody else was Hispanic or Filipino. And majority is Hispanic, very sm very small amount of Filipino. Interesting. So it was primarily Hispanic. Yeah, I, don't, I think we graduated with almost 400 students from senior year. So thinking about, like, you know, you're a senior in high school, um, you're looking to graduate, and, you know, just like all high school seniors across the country, the question is, what do we do next? And so... Tell me a little bit about your thought process at this point and how you weighed various options. Definitely. Uh, so my first and sophomore year, I had decent grades in high school. Not, nothing too like impressive, but I had decent grades. No, definitely enough to get into college. And uh, at that point, my uncle, who was only three years older than me, was in the Navy. So it was pretty cool having him as an uncle my freshman year. He would take me to school every day. Grew up like really close to each other. And... Uh, he was doing all these amazing things in the Navy, like posting pictures of where he was and touching, petting tigers and all these <laughs> awesome things. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And he told me about this opportunity called the Tiger Cruise that he was on a carrier sh uh, for the Navy and a carrier ship. 
and they allow you to bring like one or two family members for like 10 days and you you could sleep in the bed and they ship you eat their food do all the things with them i'm like wow i definitely want to do that Let's sign me up so luckily my parents are still like they i got a whole week out of school and we're in a week and a half and they i went with them and so out on the ocean we end up porting in we started in san diego we end up in washington state oh my goodness and it was great. Like, I was hanging out with him all the time. I think his boss at the time, I didn't know at the time, but now looking back, his boss was like, hey, your, your nephew's here. Just hang out with him. And I was like, oh, man, this is super cool. We, there's always ice cream out, always chicken wings out. I saw the, we worked out with the view of the ocean. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, man. And the bed sucked, but I was like, oh, whatever. This is small, down, small traits to like this awesome life. And that really sold me. And then he told me about the educational benefits. And I mean, he didn't know everything, but at the time, he told me what he did know. I was like, wow, this is definitely, this is definitely for me. Like, I want, like, I think down the line when I'm really old, it'd be cool to say I served. And then to get my education, uh, if not 100% paid for, mostly paid for. And I was like, I'm doing this after high school for sure. So my sophomore year of high school, I was set, I'm going to go Navy after that, go to college and be a chiropractor. The chiropractic thing, the goal changed a little bit, but the whole premise of my 10-year plan was pretty much set my sophomore year of high school, what I want to do in life. So that one 10-day cruise, which actually is a pretty, um, you know, that is a pretty significant experience. I mean, it wasn't just like a tour of, you know, a Navy vessel. It was like 10 days on um, a carrier. That's, that can definitely give you a flavor of what to expect, I would think, at least to some degree. Yeah, definitely. I had, a, I had a blast. It was it was fun. I mean, I ended up not being on a carrier, but the whole the whole event there was where you brought the whole navy structure to like to reality for me. Right, right. So, as you came to graduating high school, you already knew what you wanted to do. Um, did you have a and do you had did you have any idea in terms of like did other people from your high school also? kind of go that direction or were you one of the few that went right into that enlisted uh no my school there's a a lot of marines that go there and like kind of recruit it's like it's huge like marines is like the biggest recruitment out of our high school as, as far compared to any other branch and i'll add on to marines I'll, I'll, I'll stick to navy just my uncle was there i was like ah you know i'll do that and so i definitely went to navy with around the same time as one other person but there was, like, at least, like, 15 of us going to the military in general oh, for wow. my senior year. Yeah. Wow. I did have a gap, though, like, a five-month gap from graduation day to when I actually left. Some people left, like, four days later. Oh, wow. So I was definitely one of the last ones to leave. I think you earned that gap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you mind sharing a little bit about your experience in the Navy? Like, whatever you're willing to share, but... I'm curious, um, what was that like? Yeah, so uh, at 18, I was in boot camp, and it, it was like, you know, they had us yelling at us and doing all this stuff, whatever. But at one point, I was, I was marching, I was like, man, this is great. Like, set aside the physical aspect, which is at that time, I was like, I'm out of high school, I just got arrested, and I'm like, there's nothing to me. And, but, so I was in Illinois, marching I'm like man i'm literally on my own right now my parents i can't call them and this is pretty cool like like they're not that like i know there's like there's like 15 of us that went to military but there's a big portion that stayed back and i'm here in another state by myself 
this is, pretty, this is awesome. And then after that, after I graduated from there, I went to Mississippi for three months. And I was like, I was still had rules. Like, I couldn't just leave whenever I wanted because they wanted, we just came out of the military. They were really, we just came out of the boot camp. We were really, like, structured to the hardcore, to the max. And so they wanted to, like, ease us in back to, like, hanging out with normal people again. So a lot of rules, but it was it was a blast. I worked out. I went to school in the beginning, like here, like Syracuse. Went to school for a couple hours, then worked out, and then ate, and then just hang out with people afterwards. And after that, after three months in Mississippi, I went to Connecticut to learn about like submarines, and that was awesome. I, luckily, I went to Connecticut during like the summer, so I did not touch snow at all. <laughs> and then once I graduated there, three months later. I ended up getting stationed in Hawaii, which was like, oh, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is like, I can't even ask for anything more from the Navy. So I was like, this is so far, I, almost a year into the Navy. I was like, this is perfect. I made the right choice. And then as I stepped into my submarine the first day, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is uh, this is not going to be like training. This is like real deal. Holyfield, you know, like, and, um, Luckily, I had a decent support cast around me there, and it definitely grew as I, you know, went through the ranks there. Like, I like, I got really good friends, really good – everybody around me was awesome. And But it was an experience, to say the least. Uh, at a very young age, they expect a lot of you. Like, I was by the time I got there, I was 19. And you're rolling with guys that are, like, late 20s, 30s, uh, some, some, uh, very few are pushing 40, but not that many, at least on the submarine. And um, they want everything done efficiently and at a high level all the time. And they know mistakes are going to happen, but they really shouldn't happen. Like, if you're doing by the book, why do you do the mistake? And so they'll tell you, like, we get mistakes will happen, but they shouldn't really. It should be something insane for you to make a mistake. It shouldn't be normal. And so that was a big adjusting period. Uh, I was not the best sailor in the beginning. I was like, I was working. I would get there at, at 7.30. I would leave at 5 p.m. just for my job. I was like, well, this is tiring. And uh, after that, after me, like, getting out of work at, like, 5, at, uh, 5 p.m. or whatever, you had to study for, like, they give you this qualification card. And when I'd done the qualification card, you earn something on your chest called, like, dolphins. And when you're in those dolphins, it indicate that you know the very basics of the entire submarine. And if something hits the fan out to sea, like a fire or flooding, you'll know exactly what to do. You won't hesitate. And it that, like, essentially means you can save the guy next to you if something were to happen. So the humongous emphasis on earning that as fast as possible and knowing everything as much as possible. And you're not treated nicely at all until you earn them like just to get in line to eat you have to be studying so you have your notebooks on you all times you uh at some times you couldn't eat dessert but that kind of got phased out when i was going in there but like right before i got there they're like oh we can't eat dessert unless you have the dolphins you can't watch any tv you can't be on your phone which you, like if you're in port like for us with hawaii you can't have your phone anyway on there, so that wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, you just you can you can. There's no relaxed time. It's always like you're working or you're studying. That's it. 
And so once I earned that, my life got a lot easier. It just got, oh, oh I, could, I could breathe a little bit. And then... Uh, How long did it take you to earn it? Or what's the average time it takes to earn the, the dolphins? It, it takes people on average from like eight months to 13 or 14 months. It took me a whole 12 months. And which is like fine. It takes like, which is pretty normal. Like it ain't thing from there. Uh, the fastest I ever seen anybody earn it was four months. Wow. But I would never recommend anybody earn that. They did okay. not sleep. Their whole state developed sleep apnea after that. And it's affecting them today. Somebody they did when they were 19. Oh, man. And it just wasn't worth it. You know, I they, they could be in the chair next to me and they just fall asleep. Middle of the conversation. And I'm like, well, like, I'm not afraid. When I saw that, I definitely not earned them in three months. There's no way. Or four months. And um, I'm definitely glad I did all that. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, on top of your work, you do study and it just, it takes a toll on you, like mentally, physically, you, unless you're really into fitness, you're probably not going to work out that much during that time frame. And then, uh, on top of that, when we got to see, you're like, oh man, like the first time I got to see, I was like, I was really nerve wracking. I was like, all right, this was going to be like going underwater. I never like, I, you know, most people don't experience that. And I was like, oh man, this is nuts going to for the first time underwater seeing uh just seeing how it be it was like a well-oiled machine like everybody with the dolphin knew exactly what to do how to do it i was like whoa like i understand why there's so much emphasis now on earning your dolphins because it really takes a whole team to operate a submarine there's no one person no no one person is over the rest like one one uh person once told me in there like everybody's replaced one of the submarine from captain all the way to the newest guy and we just have to work as a team together so no one person could dictate if we leave or not and that just made sense to me like all right i, I want to be part of this team i have to really buy into this um experience buy into this like culture and that's when you have to get to like like flip a switch in your head like this is my life for the next four four and a half years like i signed for this i didn't know exactly what i was getting myself into but nonetheless i'm here and I have to uh try as much as i possibly can I remember when we talked about this previously, you talked about like kind of pre-buy-in and post-buy-in and how that decision to buy-in played a significant role in your quality of life. Um, can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So like before, when I first got there, we did not go to sea for the first like four months. So I was like, I didn't really know what it was like going in the water. And then we kept talking about these dolphins. I mean, so much. I'm like, oh, whatever, man. Like... <laughs> I, you know, I'm 19 in Hawaii. I want to go work. I already work a lot because my division was, um, it wasn't running as smoothly as it should have due to, like, guys before us. Like, nothing to the guys that was there during that time. And so we were working a lot extra than we should have. And then once I was done, like, man, I really want to go, like, on a hike or something. Enjoy Hawaii. I don't care about these dolphins on my chest. Like, they're not, they're not going to pay me more for earning these. Why am I going to kill myself coming out Saturday and Sunday? And I'm like, no, dude, it's important. You have to really buy it. I was like, no, nah, dude, nah, I'm cool. I'm like, I'm just going to do what I have to. Do you, do you have to do a minimum requirement every week? And so, like, let's say you have to learn about any like any hydraulic system. And so you have to, like, this weekend learn about two different hydraulics, and you have to get them signed by the expert in that field. So it would be like talking to a professor about biology and, like, I don't want to take this class. I'm just going to test out of it. I'll give you everything I know, and then you can ask me anything you want. And so it's pretty, kind of like that on the smaller scale. And until we got to see, I did not register in my head. I was like, no, this is like, 
the real deal. I have to really buy into this. And I, I need to stop going against the grain. It's feel my lesson a lot easier once I just buy into the culture. And you feel like it was worth it. That was the way to go. Like, once you kind of surrender to the larger system and, you know, kind of know your place. Not, I mean, that that phrase is sometimes used in a negative way. But in this particular situation where it's so contained, it's like people have to know their place. Literally, physically know their place. And so... Um, that's an interesting experience. Yeah, and definitely, a, like you say, know your place. It, they take it really serious, especially the people who devote like 20, 30 years to this uh, life, the summary of life. Um, you cannot say anything about, about the dolphins around them. All right, so you've bought in to the culture and you're, you know, you've kind of made their goals your goals. And how, how long were you in Hawaii? Uh... On paper, I was there for, like, just over four years. Wow. So that was, like, a good chunk of your 20s. Yeah, definitely. Um, I ended up leaving there at 23 years old. and um, But, like, that wasn't, like, on paper that I was there. I was out to see it for, like, you know, months at a time. And that was definitely took a toll as well. But, yeah, I, took, I spent a lot of time there. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what it's like to be out in sea, out at sea? Uh, well, the longest I ever sat to see consecutively with no sunlight, nothing, was 69 days. Wow. And uh, it definitely, you hit a rut at some point. I remember for a week straight, I will get out of my bed, see the same person getting off his bed. I'll walk to the restroom, brush my teeth, wash, brush my teeth by the same person every day for a week. I was like, man, I need to do something. So I started, like, either I just wait in my bed for another 30 seconds or I just walked another route which only like two routes and the other route was like, super inconvenient but i just did just so i don't see the same person uh and i have to see like everybody's pretty irritable um especially the people with kids and they're missing like birthdays graduations just anything a kid goes through in games um so any any phrase or any word you never know what could set somebody off and just yell for no reason and Going to that experience definitely makes me appreciate Syracuse University more. It's just a, such a open environment, and you could, in most cases, already speak your mind, and no one's going to judge you or get mad at you. Or It's almost like they embrace outside thinkers here, which is fantastic. So 69 days on a submarine. Yeah, that was the most consecutively. And at that point, the food's really low. Like, it just... The milk, like, the milk's gone within a week, which is, like, a hu- it sounds funny, but it's, like, a humongous deal. Like, oh, no, man, milk's gone. That means there's be no cereal. Or we have fake milk. And fake milk's funny. Like, the first time I drank fake milk, I was like, man, something's weird about this milk. It's like, it's warm. <laughs> and I still ate it. But I was like, oh, man. And then someone told me, yeah, it's fake. You've been out to for t- for 10 days. What do you expect? Like, <laughs> And, like, it's just funny. Like, it makes you appreciate, like, a lot of, like, uh, small stacks. Like, I remember Pop-Tarts were, like, whoa, well, you have some Pop-Tarts. We got to 40 days. Where do you get a Pop-Tart from? And <laughs> it sounds hilarious looking back. And I was like, I just go to the store and buy anything I want. But at that point, like, oh, man, any, any little candy or any anything would, like, be phenomenal at that point. Wow. It's the little things. Yeah, definitely. At like, that point. Yeah, especially when you, like, so I drove the submarine. I'll drive for like eight hours straight or I'll have like a small break in between to use the restroom or whatever, which does suck too, because if someone 
has to take time out of their work schedule or off time, essentially, to them give you a restroom break. And you, you feel bad almost, like, even though you're going to have to do it for the next guy, like, I'm not going to take that long. I'm just going to go 15 minutes real quick, rush, like, you know, freshen up, come back up. And then it just is really inconvenient. We don't see it that time because we're all, like, really, like, close. We're like brothers, you know, but... It, it someone took it more than like 15 20 minutes like hey dude what the heck man like you know i just drove for like a long time i, just drove, I don't want to take your watch for you right so uh, driving somewhere for eight hours wasn't that fun and after that you work and then you go sleep so it's not very much downtime is there entertainment at all uh yeah so i'd see there's like we, we have movies which is pretty cool like uh the navy has this contract with like like big uh, studios where sometimes we get uh, movies there before they even come out in theaters and it's kind of weird too i never seen a movie with the expiration date so after like a month or something they expire oh interesting yeah but again if you don't have dolphins in your chest you're not gonna watch that movie so you could potentially go just go stand like be a sonar or navigation or drive the submarine and then afterwards all right your free time you worked already go hang out but you're not gonna hang out you didn't go study and that's when, like, it's just not fun. To study yeah. as your downtime. Yeah. At that point, you know, we don't have phone. Our phone's, like, there's no, there's no reception or nothing. You can't call, like. Right, right. So it's just, like, uh, it's just not the uh, best time in your life. That is uh, an experience that I'm sure a lot of people have not gone through. That is, that's a really interesting very unique experience to have been under the water consistently for 69 days yeah it was a very it was it was a pretty uh, intense just mentally and it just takes a toll on you and i feel like you age like i feel way I, at that time i felt older than i do now even though i was like 20 years old and right now i'm in my mid-20s at 20 i felt way older than i do now i felt like i was 30 i was worrying about like retirement plans i'm like man what am i gonna do at this point because everybody there's like already older and they they even put a huge emphasis on planning ahead and attention to detail, all these things, like, I was so stressed. I had, like, white hairs already at 20. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. Like, wow. but then we would port calls, like, would, after a period out to sea, we would go to, like, the Philippines or Japan or Guam. And that very that made it awesome. Like, it was pretty uh, fun experience different, uh, you know, territories or countries at that age. Definitely. Yeah, I had money in my pocket. I was like, oh, man, I could do anything. As <laughs> <laughs> much as fun being in Japan or being in Guam or whatever. Like, you so we just have to work. So every, like, uh, on deployment, every three days, uh, you have this thing called duty, which sleep on board. So we get back from deployment. You could go to a hotel or something. But on the third day, you're coming right back, and you're sleeping here, even while it was fun, which is, like, it's part, of the, it's part of the culture. You just have to buy into it. And in Hawaii, the same thing, except every four days. So it's, like, on Saturday or Sunday, you might have to sleep on board. Uh, just kind of the only time it sucks is when you're the day before leaving, you have duty. So I mean, every you have to get ready for going out to see two days in advance, essentially. And you can't enjoy that last, essentially like last supper, last meal because like oh, oh man. Yeah, looking back, like I could laugh about it, but like at the moment, I was like oh man, this uh, it just really builds like a rage in you. That's why I understand like. And that was me during my first contract. I saw I understand, like, the people were doing it for 15, 20, 30 years. They're like, they just, anything will set them off. Right. You know, it's interesting. I think about, like, how, you know, as humans, 
we kind of go from, you know, total dependency and then we grow into independency as we go into independence as we, you know, become high school students. And then by joining the Navy, it's like there's these moments where it's like or these long periods of time where you're going back into, you know, you don't have control over your decisions. You don't have control over your environment. And um, it's kind of like going back into your family's house again. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I definitely do give up a lot. Where anybody gave up gave up a lot while joining, but we also rescued a lot. Like uh, when I would go home on vacation, I was in like I'll come back to California, and one of my friends I'll never forget. He told me, "Man, we're the same age, right? Like we're at that point. I was 21, and I was talking about like buying a house. I was talking about these things, and what I want to do in the next like you know that point, uh, seven years, next seven years. And he was like, "The Navy really shows you how to be a man, huh?" And I was like, "What do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. You talk. You talk. You're, you're you're talking different than us." And these guys, um, Iman, they're like my best friends. Like, not all of them went to like get higher education or anything. So they went straight to workforce. And it was just so we were just different. And they were like into really partying at the time. We were like 21. So like, you know, at 21, of course, you're on a party and everything. And uh, we we're just at two different mental states in our life. And as much as he told me that and it felt good, I almost was kind of envious of them too because I couldn't just go drink all I wanted or go party with my friends because I had to think about, I have to go back in three days to the Navy. I can't just, I foolish here and like get a DUI or get in trouble. I can't do that. Right. I, have too, I have too much at stake. And uh, that's a big emphasis the Navy puts. Like, hey, when you guys back home, remember, you've done a lot already at a very young age. Don't mess that up. Right. And so on the back of my on the back of my friends at that age, I was like, I can't mess this up, guys. I just, as much as like I trust you guys and everything, I just can't go to that party with you guys. And it was just, it was just kind of funny me realizing that in my early twenties, the right. difference of the, the any branch probably does to people. Fast maturing. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about um, your decision to move on. That was really tough um, because like the Navy opened my eyes. To so much in life um you know when i got on board i was one of like eight or minorities and i was just the way they spoke about their life the upbringing um the way they spoke about minorities it was a culture shock to me and grew up in a small town in california like california is all about like doing great things There's always the money in california you go you do all these amazing things in california at your disposal and you just have to you just have to do it and but growing up in a smaller underprivileged town where there's not a lot of resources like directly at your school or directly in your community you kind of forget like california has so much to offer and going to the navy they talked about all these things they were doing or they want to do or they have been doing what their parents do for a living and i was like you know what there's no reason why i can't shoot for the stars there's literally no reason why i can't accomplish anything i want in life because if i came here at 19 earned my dolphins went to deployments did all this in my early 20s. There's no reason as I get older, I can't accomplish even more with more experience, more maturity, uh, more edu- education in general, on top of my experience here. Like, the possibilities are endless. So I came out, which is a tough decision. A lot of people, if you're a good sailor or good at any branch, good person, they want to retain you, you know. And it's hard because they, they'll push you like, hey, man, what can we do? What can we send you? Where do you want to go to to shore duty, like so, shore duty is like uh, the relaxing time in the navy. Like you're not you're not a submarine anymore. You go relax on land. I have a normal nine to five job, 
and it was tempting. Like I remember, like it was like Florida, like it was like it was pretty cool places. You could see it stationed like Italy, all these awesome places. And uh, my upper chief command, or like we had like meetings, like hey, why don't you enlist? What would it take? All this stuff. And they almost had me. They almost made it feel like I was laying them down by not staying in. I was really contemplating it. And um, one guy told me, like, hey, it's your life, man. You have to do what's best for you in your future, whatever your goals are. It, like, when, whenever you sign that dotted line, they're going to go on with their life. You might never see them again. I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Like, I've got to do what's best for me. So I made a decision. I, must, I told everybody I'm going to separate. And... And moved on. It's a, it's a humongous process. There's so much paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's it's kind of an end of a chapter, a, a really big chapter of your life. Oh, yeah. It was sad. Like, leaving my roommates that, like, you know, uh, you know, one's from Minnesota, one was from Michigan. And they were, my, and they were both, like, one was, like, super country guy. The other one was, like, a little more nerdy. And I was, like, you know, like, you know, five years ago when I was in high school, I would never in my life imagine me living with you or being friends with you. And now, like, you're just some of the best people I ever imagined in my life being around. And um, so it's just, it just, the Navy opened so much doors for me, gave me so many opportunities that I think joining was the best decision I ever did in my life. I think getting now was the second best decision I ever did, made in my life. That is interesting. Do you mind talking just a little bit about, you know, you, you mentioned when you started, you noticed that... Um, uh, it was a different population. And in terms of diversity, you recognized maybe for the first time because your high school was primarily Hispanic and here you go into the Navy and you are like a handful of people of color. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about that and, and how how that might have evolved over time? Uh, yeah, so when I first got there, it was definitely culture shock. I mean, and I was like, 19 and uh when people talk about like more minorities and hispanic specifically and you know a lot of them never even grew up around hispanics or nothing they just saw what they saw in the news and stuff and i remember my second day on board some guy came up to me like he went on his way to find me and said and started asking me like a couple questions but it was like there's was pretty polite guy overall and he said man i just want to make sure to see if you're like a real hispanic i was like man like i was like whatever dude and i keep walking but now, like, you know, like, a year later, I was like, I don't know, like, and I was wondering, like, man, what does the guy mean by that? Like, what does that mean, a real Hispanic? So because a lot of, like, uh, I think the the few Hispanics they see on board with other, like, Caucasian people, they're very Americanized. So I, but I still don't understand, like, he thinks a real Hispanic is what? Like, someone who only speaks Spanish, who's in, like, trouble all the time. Like, I don't know what he meant. So that kind of threw me off. And then, um... And I know other people are talking about, like, man, why don't these uh, Hispanics just go get green cards? Like, why don't you just go apply and get them already? And second, so try to get deported. And I'm like, I didn't say anything because this was, again, before I met Dolphins. So I couldn't even, like, talk back to them. And, but, and my head was like, well, it takes, like, 10 years to get a green card. It takes a long time unless you're in the military. And it's really fast. One of my buddies, he's from L.A. And um, uh, his he was his mom was here on like work visa and whatnot, and but luckily like he went into the process and he got his mom the green card within like months. It was insanely fast, 
And so that's another thing that the Navy offers to people who are willing to sign up. Like, hey, we could change your not only your life, but your whole family's life. Like, you don't have to be work temp- here temporarily on a work visa. You can stay here forever. So, like, um, it was just a whole culture shock. And I definitely said things that made my superiors have to talk to me about. Like, I would say comments, like, they were just, I, I didn't cuss at nobody. I didn't say anything, but I just said, like, little, like, knickknacks like comments about like being white or like you can't dance or your food probably sucks. And, and somehow someone got offended and some, it had, someone had to sit down and talk to me about it. And I was like, okay, whatever. In my head though, I was like, this, this is dumb. Like, like how come I had to put up with this? But as the years went on on my submarine, like I definitely noticed it get more, more diverse. I also noticed the head enlisted guy, which enlisted guy just means enlisted person just means they came straight from high school. They didn't have a college education. The head enlisted person ended up being uh, African American. I don't know if it's coincidence or not. So much my diversity came to my summary after that happened. Interesting. Yeah, it still was lopsided, definitely. But like, we're like at probably like twenty people now, or twenty five. I'm like, wow, this is, this is a huge difference. Yeah, from eight. Yeah, and I. Th- I don't want to say it helped me because at that point I was already on board for a couple of years. I was like, ah, it's not going to affect me. No one's until, like, someone tells me something, I'm just like, whatever, dude. Where I'd say, say what's on my mind and move on. But I noticed that was a weird transition. And luckily it helped me too. It was like in my d- division specifically, uh, I had like a Caucasian boss and he was, he did not make my life any easier. And I don't think it was just him being like biased or anything. That's just him as a person. My next boss was Thai, and he was phenomenal. Like, I, he definitely made my life way easier. We definitely bumped heads because we came from similar backgrounds. And so we both had a little bit of, like, I don't know, like, like I'm the alpha in here. And, you know, I think he was my superior, so, like, I shouldn't have even had that attitude. But just the culture of being on the submarine, like, you're, I'm the top dog until something proves me wrong. Or I'm right until you show me i'm wrong and uh but he definitely made my life a lot easier on board so as you tried to figure out you know after the navy where am i gonna go what am i gonna do how did you you knew you wanted to go back to school did you have a choice in terms of what school you wanted to go to uh yeah so uh san diego state has this awesome program where they allowed like 10 people from the Navy and I believe the Marine Corps as well, uh, as long as you hit the minimum requirements that and your, but on, on top of the minimum requirements, your captain has to write a letter and get someone else has to write a letter. But um, out of 10 people, of the, to all the Navy and all the Marines, I got in in the top 10 people or 15 people. It was, it was a very small number. I was like, wow. So all those schools I applied to, I just stopped applying. Like I was like halfway through the process and I submitted the fitness shots application, but they needed like my transcripts and all the other stuff. And I was like, ah, I'm not gonna send it. I already got in San Diego. I'm gonna go live, I'm gonna go live there. <laughs> this is a no brainer. And the the woman there, the veteran counselor there called me. And the, some other veteran advisor there called me like, Oh, congratulations, you're one of the, the 10, 15 people that got in. That's awesome. Oh uh, yeah, we can't wait to have you here. We'll show you around, come to the to our like open house thing I'm like i'm still in but i do take vacation like like three months before school starts so i could be there for that for one event and I'm like all right cool we'll see you then 
So I went there all happy. And when I got there, at this point, I, all those schools told me no because I stopped applying. I, I called all these places to get apartments. I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm super pumped. I told everybody I could manage to go to San Diego State. And uh, my boss couldn't be couldn't be happier for me. They were pumped. They were like, I'm going to go buy a t-shirt now from there. And uh, I got there and I was like, hey, uh, we messed up. Uh, when you sent us your high school application, you took two um, two workout session classes per semester in high school, and that really jumped up your GPA. We couldn't accept any of those, so your, your GPA like went significantly lower. So now we're gonna have to take back your acceptance. Oh my goodness! I was so furious. Oh, my goodness. I was like, what? Like, Holy cow. I was in the shock. Like, I almost couldn't, like, talk. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I made all these plans. I separated from the Navy, and I came here, and and you're literally throwing my whole life off track now because, like, this was the can. Like, this is a plan right here. And they told me, I'm sorry. Like, we'll, we'll see what we could do. We'll give you a call next week. And I was like... So I went on with the rest of the open house, and they were like, anybody who made this program, like, raise your hand. I'm like, I'm not even raising my hand. Like, this is, like, I'm just mad. And then I was, like, I was still there, and the lady told me, that noticed me, and she brought some other, like, director of the whole program. I was like, hey, like, I saw it. I saw your application. I still don't understand what they're saying, what they're telling me. Apparently, they're saying that you can't count these classes, but they never told us that in the past. So I'm going to talk to them see what happens. And I don't know who he talked to, but it didn't matter. Because next week I got an email or a call and said, I'm sorry, we can't allow you to come in. And they said, oh, just go community college for two years and come back here. And I'm like, I'm definitely have to go community college now because I didn't apply anywhere else. Oh, my goodness. And I'm definitely not going there no matter what. And But I was mad because, like, it's, they're signing with state. Like, they're a well-oiled machine. Like, they should know the ins and outs of these programs, especially when they're only allowing, like, 10, 15 people in. Yeah. And I was just beyond furious. And, um... And I think, too, like, if they really wanted a, a veteran coming in, I, they could have allowed it to happen. I think there's so many applications going to that school. The school is so popular and so in demand that they were just like, eh, there's going to be another person coming in. Who cares? But for me, it was, like, it was just whole life-changing. Yeah. So at that point, <laughs> I had to go to, like, uh, McKinley College in Bakersfield, California, which is, like, 35 minutes or 40 minutes from where I grew up. And it's the same population, like mostly um, Hispanic, but the, but Bakersfield does have some like old money, like oil money. So there's the, you do get a little more like the white population. And a fun fact is that uh, during the Dust Bowl, a lot of them migrated to Bakersfield. So there's a lot of like Caucasian people there in general from like that type of families. And uh, but. I mean, the most of it, but I was still furious I was there. Like, this was not where I planned to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially, like, community college there it has such a bad stigma. Like, just going down, I was like, wow, I can't believe I, I'm here. And, you know, people in high school were like, I'm not going to go that. I'm not going to go community college there. What the heck? Like, I'm better than that. And, but that was me. I was like, oh, I really had to humble myself, like, fast, too. But it ended up being a great experience. The classrooms were smaller, so I had more one-on-time professor. Right. It showed me how to study. It showed me how what it takes to get grades. 
I got the best grades I've ever has received at the community college that I ever had in my life. And it was, uh, they had this veteran counselor there by Armando, he goes by Armando. He was also enlisted. He was a Marine. And then he ended up, after he got out, after, I don't know how long he did, but he did quite a bit of some time. He went to, ended up getting his uh, master's degree from the University of Southern California, USC. And he was a man. Like, I cannot thank him enough for everything he did for me. He, any veteran question, even if it was out of his realm of duty, he did what he could to help me. And he helped me through the whole, like, all my classes there. He made him a whole plan. He helped me with the transfer process. He went above and beyond anything or anybody ever could ever ask for. And I still talk to him today, like, just telling him, like, wow, like, how thankful I am for him, like, working there. He's a gem at that school for sure. Thankfully, there's people like Armando in the world. Yeah. We need people like him. And it's so funny, like, when I walked in there, (laughs) I thought it was a joke. I thought he was, like, the janitor or something because I walked into the office and I see this really big, he's also a big Hispanic guy, tattoos everywhere, (laughs) in biker boots, biker uh, pants. I'm like, man, there's no way this is a guy that graduated from USC. USC is like one of the hardest schools to get into in California, not the whole country. Like, and I was talking to him. He talked to me like I grew up with him my whole life because we just came from similar backgrounds. We just we clicked. Like, we both had goals. I just I really like, being on top of our field one day in our respective field. Like, and you know, he talked about other Hispanics that helped him uh, through his process coming up, and. Um, and so I think he felt obligated to help the next person in line, which is for me, it happened to be me at that point. And I was like, wow, like this just worked out perfect. Like I know I didn't get to San Diego state, but you definitely changed my whole trajectory t- here because now I'm going to the school that's arguably better than San Diego state. And thankfully because him. Wow. And you were able to learn how to be a student again, you know, at a community college, taking college level courses, and you know classes were smaller you had the support um yeah yeah and they, they he had just like put in his ground or something they redid the whole veteran community the whole veteran center i was there they had tutors in there all the time and um he made that happen and i'm sure like other people were involved but like he was the one i spoke to on a daily basis so he knew like when i wasn't getting paid from the from the veterans to go to school he uh from the veteran affairs to go to school he uh well, like, I brought up one time to him. And then, like, three weeks later, he brought up, he came up to me. He remembered when I was just studying on the lounge. I was like, hey, are you getting paid yet or what? And he would talk, like, just, like, repeat, like, not, like, I am a professional. You are a student. <laughs> like, so he made me feel real comfortable going to many thing, And, like, uh, he helped me fix any pay issues. Like, he didn't know the exact answer, but he knew exactly who for me to contact. And it just worked out for him. It worked out for us, like, all the veterans there because of what he did. And I'm sure other people as well, but he was like the face. So you finished your two years there. And then it was this uh, this next decision that you had to make. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, since high school, my sophomore year, I wanted to be a chiropractor. I, sl- I had like a bulging disc in my back and uh, supposedly, but, you know, once chiropractor, he fixed it. And um, the Navy got a little worse, but it ended up working out. And uh, I got in to Palmer Chiropractic School in Iowa, which is like the oldest, best chiropractic school in the country. 
it was like whoa like this is like my whole 10 year plan somewhere is like becoming reality like and you know it was a lot of hard work but i'm here and then i uh broke my leg and during like my uh second year of my community college and it required two surgeries one I had in Fresno, California, which is pretty much also like in the middle of California. And the other one I had in San Francisco. And uh, I am so thankful for the Veteran Affairs Insurance because the one I had in San Francisco, he was a surgeon for the University of San Francisco. And he was like really good at his views and he was phenomenal. So I'm really thankful for him as well. It was pretty gruesome. I broke it in three different places. My ankle separated and all the ligaments tore from my ankle halfway through my shin. So this whole process took two surgeries, one in Fresno, one in San Francisco. And it was pretty gruesome. The one uh, PA told me I was never going to run again, maybe jog. And I was like, I was mad. It made me real mad at that point. I was like, there's no way. How can you tell me at 24 years old, I'm never going to run again. And it made me just think. It made me just, something just clicked in my head, in my mind. Like, there's no way I'm gonna prove everybody wrong. I even told her, I'm, "There's no way it doesn't happen. You're gonna see me one day, like in running shape." And I look at I was so fortunate enough to have really good physical therapists, both in California and here in New York. The one, two completely different approaches. The ones I had in California were these men were like. You know, you have to get some physical activity in, start running, jogging, all these things. They're really, like, just hurry up and, like, man up and do it. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, I came out of the Navy. I'm like, this is the type of uh, mindset I want. And I was like, I was drenched in sweat every day, but I really felt productive. They hardly ever really manipulated my ankle themselves. So I saw them after my first surgery, and I got a lot. I, got, I, I, I proved so much and so much time with them. And I was able to walk, not great walk, but I was able to walk. And then I got hit with, hey, you're going to do another surgery. And I was like, oh, man, this is really frustrating. I was so mad. It's how far I've came, and it was just really heartbreaking for me. But I was like, okay, I did this once. I got to do it again. I have to do it in a very amount of time because I already got sent to Syracuse in the fall. So I had the, the second surgery three months before I came to Syracuse. And I was like, all right, I got to. Do this. I told my surgeon from San Francisco, hey, I have this plan in the team of the fall. I got to drive over there. What do you think? He said, no, you could do it, man. You got you to work hard, but you could do it. I said, all right, man, let's do this. I trust you. I believe in you. Let's roll. And I got it done. I had, once the cast came off of the second surgery, I saw my physical therapist in California, like for two weeks, I went every single day. And they're like, man, you sure you can come every day? Yeah, I got I to come every day. I just max out what I can here. And then when I get to to Syracuse, I'm going to see another physical therapist. When I got here, luckily I got paired with a pretty great physical therapist here at the, San Francisco, at the Syracuse VA. And she was great, but completely different approaches. She was way more articulate with my foot. Like, she would like manipulate it. I don't even break much of a sweat when I'm there. And just completely different approaches to everything. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, man, do I even trust this girl? Do I believe what she's saying? And it's worked. Like, what she does, the really, my new exercise I do where I don't even break a sweat has helped me so much in my rehabilitation program where I feel a lot more confident walking, jogging. And I'm not there yet to full sprint or anything close to that. But I do notice my um, 
improvement to this point. And I just kind of like tells me like there's diff- diff- there's multiple ways to approach an issue and they both could have positive outcomes. So I think that just helps me have like just be look at life just a little different. Like, okay, I could be right and my buddy could be right, but we could come out to the, we could, the path to get there could be two different complete ways. And I think what really helped me during this process of my rehab, my just like this point has been like two years already. With just like the amount of time I spent in the ocean, like I spent out of my five year contract, I spent about two years living in the ocean and it took a gigantic toll on me mentally, physically. Um, but pushed me far than I ever have been pushed before to that point. And I think days where I'm like my rehab isn't going so well, where I had a setback, like last month I had a pretty set, uh, setback where I couldn't even, it was a hurt just to walk for three weeks. And it made me feel like I'm less of a, like, veteran or dude because of that. That's not really the case. I don't think no one looks at me a little different just because I have a setback. But in my head, and my mind, I was like, and there's no way. I'm, I'm too good for this. I'm too strong for this. I'm too, this isn't me. I have to keep going, push myself harder and further as possible. And I think just the whole mindset I had in the military really helped me do this rehab process just to keep breaking the next ceiling, keep going farther than I could before. And I think that's just how I approach things in life in general. Just like for me right now, my biggest obstacle is probably math. And I just, I probably put in easily 15 hours a week in just that one class. But I think it's going to help me. I wouldn't have had that mindset, I think, if it wasn't for not only my time in the military, but also this broken leg rehab process, which I just look at life a lot different now. But I think overall, Oh, how me as a man coming up in the future, whenever I have my kids, whenever I have my career, I think this whole time in my 20s will definitely set me up for success. I think, too, like um, when I'm struggling through like the rehab or school or whatever, I think of just like um, how far I've came in life so far. And I think um, really I was watching this show and this guy said this quote that really stuck with me. And it said he well, he said, um, you have to be greater than your greatest obstacle. So growing up, my greatest obstacle was probably my neighborhood. It was a very underprivileged, like, as I said earlier, education wasn't a big thing there. And, like, I asked to be greater than this. So I went to the military, and the military had his own obstacles. I went out to see, like I said, for those two years out of the five-year contract, and I had to be greater than that. And now, like, one of my obstacles is my uh, rehab for my leg, and I have to be greater than that. So I think every approach I do in life is almost revolved around that quote because I have to be greater than whatever obstacles in front of me in this current time in my life. And I think since I've done this, my life has improved. I've been around great people, great friends. I can't even imagine my life in Syracuse without the people around me right now. And they just make my whole transition from not only from like the military to civilian, but from rehab to walk again. Because these the guys I hang out with are also veterans, and they really push me like classwork, uh, physically to be in shape, and and I think without them, with the people around me, I wouldn't be as great as a man I am today. So thankfully, my mindset from to get into this point has set me up for success for the people around me to be just overall successful together. But anyway, that whole process uh, helped me or like pushed me into the realm of physical therapy. 
So I had to go see a physical therapist. And, like, what they were able to do, they were able to push me. No medicine, no nothing. Just like chiropractor, but, like, it was more physical. Like, it wasn't him just manipulating me. It was me, like, jumping and and walking on boxes and doing all these things. I was like, wow, like, I broke a sweat every single day I was there. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to help other veterans or other athletes or whoever, like, get their life back from injury. So when I was ready to transfer from... And that process, by the way, it took, it's been over a year and I'm, I went, I just came from physical therapy right now. So it's been well over a year and I'm still handling this issue. But that whole process like opened my eyes to what's possible beyond just chiropractic because that was a dream I had when I was 16, you know? And so at this point, like, all right, let me just apply to other schools, just see what happens. You know, I was leaving like when King College 3.5 GPA, I was like, all right, it's not bad. It's not great. It's not bad. That's pretty yeah and then um well that was good time other students here and like oh i had a 4.0 oh my gosh like you don't know like social life (laughs) and uh so i applied to you know got into the school chiropractic and then i got applied to university of new mexico and then i applied to uh here and i didn't apply to any other schools in california because i was looking at the schools like like the more like prestigious schools they didn't really have a good like physical therapy. I mean, uh, extra exercise science or kinesiology program. They didn't have a good one, or they didn't have one at all. I thought that was really weird. Like if you look at the top schools in, in uh, exception of like University of San Francisco, the University of Southern California, they're like really like really like neuroscience or really like something like writing <laughs> or journalism. Like oh, there's like it's like either like there's both sides of the spectrum. There's nothing in between. So I was like, ah, you know, I'm, I don't know. I never lived in New York before or New Mexico. Let me just try it. So I applied and uh, I got into both of them. So now I had three opportunities. Like, man, I don't know what to do here. And uh, the University of New Mexico, that would been a lot closer to me, a lot easier for me to drive real fast, check out the apartments, really know the area before. Here, I was like, man, I don't know anybody there. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder, especially I'm still rehabbing. But it's a way better school, and I who knows the opportunities I'll have by going to to uh, you know Syracuse. And I call like I my old bosses. <laughs> I call I I email my old chemistry professor like man, what do you think? And you know they gave me their advice and whatever. But it's not ultimately it's up to you. I'm like oh, okay, cool, thanks for that tip. It's up to me. But <laughs> uh, ultimately I chose Sy- Syracuse. Like you know I I don't want to give this opportunity. And who knows where. Who knows who I meet here, what I'm doing here. Like, it's just too good opportunity for me to give up. And so um, I made the hard decision. I had to tell the school of chiropractic no. Even though I was like, on the phone with them for, like, a year back and forth of FaceTiming and emailing and calling. And, like, I remember they were like, so nice. They were like, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait until at least 12, 12 p.m. here so I don't wake you up too early in California. I was like, oh, my God, it's so considerate. Like, wow. Yeah, but I had to tell them no. You had to break their heart. Yeah. <laughs> you had to break up with them. Yeah. That's it's what I felt you. like. Oh. It's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to change my life a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so I'm here. I, I enjoy it for sure. So do you mind talking a little bit about being a student at SU? I mean, you um, you have, I mean, clearly just listening to you, you you've had a different path to get here. Very, you know, very different from other students who are, you know, coming straight from high school. And so I wonder, like, what's it been like since you've been here? Uh, well, I came during uh, fall semester 
I came like um like three weeks to a month before I started. So I want to make sure I have like my physical therapy set up. I want to make sure like my apartment, like I have it. I know how to get to the school for my apartment. Yeah. It's been being a student here has been pretty great, to be honest. Um, I had some professors phenomenal, some aren't. But I think because I compare them to like my community college professor, and it's just not realistic. I think for me to have the same like one on one time or or the same like teaching styles because they're they taught for like twenty students in class right here. They teach for like hundreds of students in some classrooms. But um, I cannot. I don't have too much complaints at all about this school. And I think it was something that helped a lot was um, like the weekend before school started, the veteran community year had a like a meeting, and they gave us like water bottle or a shirt and just tell us about the, all the um, resources you have as a veteran here. And that water bottle I took to school the next day, and I was walking around and everything, and I sat you know for my first class all excited. And this dude came up to me and sat down. I noticed he had the same bottle. I didn't, I saw right away. I was like, oh, I see it. I'm not going to say anything. And then we just went on. And then I asked him the, the next following class, like, hey, dude, like, what'd you thought about? Is that yours? Like, someone gave it to you. I said, oh, no, it's mine, man. I went to the meeting. And I was like, oh, that's cool, man. I was like, on a, I was in the Navy and whatever. And I'm here now. And I was like, so we started talking. And, uh, he's like, one of my best, my best buds here. So, like, it's just cool, like, the whole process like the whole like veteran community here helped us out by just getting us together and giving us the same things and even though we don't hang out with that many people while i was in that meeting i had at least like one or two guys now so i made up my life a lot easier especially the same like a lot of veterans do major in like community and um kinesiology or extra science and uh so it's cool to run the exact same path pretty much have you gotten to know um any other students, like traditional students, if 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 we're saying you're a non-traditional student, you know, have you gotten to know other students? Yeah, definitely. Like in my, especially in the classes, I'm not like excelling in like uh, like math per se. Um, this is other student that helped me last semester. I used straight from high school, and like with the mask on, no one really knows how old you are. <laughs> so true. I was in. So I was like I was. Uh, my second part of my sophomore year last semester and that class was full of freshmen and so he just automatically assumed I was a freshman until like I, we started talking a little more like, hey man you might start like tutoring me like I'm not really like, the group tutoring is not really helpful I'll pay you and can you just help me he was like yeah man, no problem he was, he's also a Hispanic from Chicago and we got to know each other really well we hang out like a couple times he still, he still tutoring me today if I have questions and stuff and um, him, and then this semester as well, I have this other uh, person that uh, we had the same classes last semester and this semester, and just we just we never spoke because I just we never needed to, I guess. It just worked out this semester that we like help each other out now, and then a couple other students, but it's more like just high by, nothing like to let's get together and help study. Right. right. But uh, yeah, I definitely try to just talk to everybody as much as possible, even though I know like. Not every student is going to be like your best friend. Like, you're just going to be acquaintances. Right. So this has been really interesting. And I, I, I love stories. And I love hearing people's stories. And your story in particular is really, it's got so many twists and turns and so many, um, I don't know, things that we can learn from. Is there anything that you want to end with in terms of um, what 
you would like the university to know about student veterans or you or, um, you know, any, any way to educate us on the student veteran experience that we didn't touch on? Uh, I do think they, as much emphasis they put on being the number one student for veterans, number one school for veterans, it is in a lot of ways. Like, they do so much. Like, a lot of money is thrown at our program from uh, personal um, donations or whatnot. And you can tell, like, you know, they sent all these veterans to NACON, which is, like, a, the biggest veteran stu- student veteran community, like, meeting, I guess, every year. And they sent, like, 20 students there, all paid for it, all that stuff. And um, stuff like that is great. But I know the student last, the student veteran last semester, he had to drop out because he just couldn't hang with classes. And he not because he was trying. He put so much effort. He would not hang out with anybody. He would just study, study. I see him every time I went to the library. He'd be there studying. And he just couldn't hang in math and some other class. And it's just because when we go tutors, they kind of expect us to know things that we learned, per se, like last year in high school. Because with the math, they, they just think we're freshmen. So that's not the case. I'm like, hey, man, like, I don't know how to divide fractions or I don't remember this stuff. Can you just teach me this? So some of them were like, hey, we can't just give you the answers. You have to try. And by us asking these simple questions, I felt like they thought we were just there for the answers. So uh, I did talk to SVO president last semester, and she brought it up. And so I think they are working logistics right now to get tutors in the veteran center. I think that would be, like, phenomenal. I think that would be a lot more student veterans there, too, just to get help and take more advantage of the resources there. Because there's a lot of people in the Veterans Center that do a lot of things that we just don't know about. But I got in there, and I talked to them, like, hey, I just asked them, what do you do? And they told me all I needed to do. Like, wow, this is phenomenal. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for your time. I'm sure I'll see you again at some point during my career here. You know, it's funny. I think that that's one of the... Um critiques of the university in general is just learning all the ins and outs of and becoming aware of what's available um because you know it there's so many things going on that you know students like how do you learn about all this stuff like in some ways we're really decentralized and so i think the university is trying to figure out ways to kind of centralize information I'm glad that, um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of services available to veterans. It's just kind of outside of the veteran center. You know, for example, your experience having the tutors understand that students are coming from different backgrounds. And so um, their needs are different because cool. um, I think that's an important point that you're making that, you know, not all students who um, are going to different academic services are coming from, you know, the same place and this whole um, like atmosphere is all amazing and i think it's really cool i think it's something cool that syracuse university does like they have so much funding for all these unorthodox like clubs or events or opportunities i never thought i would ever do a podcast or be a part of it and like that's one of the things i'm glad i came to syracuse for like i did not know i was getting myself into but i know there's opportunities here and this opportunity to like be part of something new and it might not go anywhere, it might, it might go somewhere, but I got to do it no matter what. Who knows what direction it's going to take you or what doors it might open people listening to your story and saying, oh, my goodness, like, I want to give him an internship. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we want him in our physical therapy master's program. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, well, I really just want to thank you for your willingness and your openness to share your experience and your story. I think that, 
I think it really stands out as a really interesting narrative and path to come to Syracuse University. I look forward to seeing what your next couple semesters are going to bring um, and how you decide to, uh, you know, what, what steps you're going to take moving forward and where that's going to lead you. I'm, I'm excited to see that unfold. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I think uh, I'm just thankful for this experience and for you, like, um, remembering me when you thought about this events. And it's just kind of funny. Like, now I'm talking to you about it. Like, those are my, essentially my life so far to this point. Uh, it's pretty insane, like, the community I grew up in, even though, like, I did have a stable household and everything. I still did grow up in that community to where I am now. My buddy who did graduate from San Diego State uh, when I was in community college, like we were, we were talking and um, and it's just funny like being back in my hometown, like you can't drive down the street without people looking at you. And I'm like, and I just we would think like, why are people like this here? <laughs> like, why do they have this mentality? And being now in Syracuse, are like it's just totally different. Everybody's like, let's just help each other. Let's just be better together. And it doesn't matter if you're from here or not from here, what color your skin is, like what's your background, if you're, if you're wearing the Canada's uh, jacket or not. And uh, it just, it's just pretty uh, interesting when I say out loud to you, like I could realize how far I've came to get to this point, but how far I could still go. And, you know, you're going to have this to listen to 20 years from now. Like, oh, wow, look at, you know, undergraduate Raul. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Talking about yeah. his life. And then, you know, it'll be interesting to see exactly where where you're going to go. I have, I have complete confidence that your goal of being a physical therapist, you're going to be an amazing physical therapist. You bring so much to that role. Commitment, experience, dedication, um, interpersonal skills, communication skills, I think. You're going to be an amazing physical therapist. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it coming from you. This podcast is brought to you by HOP and SSS's The Census Project. The Census Project encourages self-exploration and community building through podcasting, music, and beat making. You can find out more about The Census Project at SyracuseCensus.com through nuanced discussion and dialogue across differences, the Census Project seeks to create a more inclusive community, one podcast at a time. This is Craig Tucker, and we thank you for listening. <laughs>